Morning, everyone. Good to see everybody out. This is week number two of intermission sermon series. Last week we talked about being free, about the free time that we all desire, and the freedom that Christ bought for us on the cross of Calvary and by coming out of grave, out of the grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And it's a really good series to teach us about the freedom of Christ. And as we discuss the things about the freedom of Christ, we need to understand that there is an intermission that we all desire, that, uh, in especially in the, the way we live today. Intermission is defined as a pause or a break. Won't you look over to your neighbor and say, looks like you need a break. <laughs> tired, huh? Everybody tired? The second part of intermission says in the dictionary that it's an interval between parts of a play, a movie, or a concert. In the fast-paced culture in which we live, we all feel like we need a break or a pause from the norm. This four-part teaching series is designed to give you information from Scripture of how to live a life and that life to its fullest. We would all love to have more free time, wouldn't we? Look at your neighbor and say, would you like to have more free time? Free to do the things we love without feeling rushed to make the next appointment. Basically, what I'm asking is wouldn't you love to feel like life has purpose? Jesus used his life with intentionality to give us a pattern for success. He lived 33 and a half years and was able to even change the calendar. What have you changed lately? Change is something that is necessary. Change is something that we need. Uh, some people uh, don't like change at all. They don't uh, welcome change. They don't encourage change. They just want to remain the same. Uh, Thinking about my mother-in-law, she's got the same type of sweeper she's had ever since I've known her, and ever since Leslie's known her as a kid, she's got the same type of vacuum cleaner, the little old one, and they can come out with any new technology they want, right, Ernie? And she wants that same old cleaner, the canister kind you got to be down the floor fiddling with, and it just uh, seems like you should go with the time and get the better one when it's new and improved, right? So change is a good thing if we accept the change that God is giving us, and uh Thinking back through my life, we were setting up the house yesterday at Mom's. It was Mom's birthday yesterday, or back a few days ago, on the 20th, however, whatever the day is today. It was her birthday was the 20th, but we celebrated it yesterday. So happy birthday, Mama. And then Dusty's birthday is today, so he took off over there to count the number of kids. So happy birthday, Dusty. And anybody else that's got a birthday maybe that we missed? Is yours close by? Or yesterday? Yeah, I think. It, yeah, there's more. So happy birthday to everybody. Everybody say happy birthday. Okay, that makes it good. Another year to move forward and do great things for the kingdom. So as we're looking at this uh, message about freedom and how Jesus has set us free, uh, this uh, past day or two I've been looking at some things, and my phone is not acting the way it should for to get me my notes. And I've been thinking about the number 17 and how at the beginning of the year that uh, we, we looked at this year and we kept saying that this was going to be a year of mission. That 2017, that I felt like that God was giving us a mission to move forward, to change as a church, as Bethesda, as a congregation, as a people, to be what God has created us to be, to make small steps. And I kept saying that at the beginning of the year, how that we need to take small steps to go towards what God wants us to get to. And sometimes we think of change and we think that we've got to make big changes to get big differences. 
But I've come to realize in my life, sometimes even small changes can cause big differences and godly differences. So if God tells you or explains something to you or gives you a vision or a dream or kind of like you can feel that still small voice speaking to your heart saying, do this. If we would just take advantage of that situation and do what Jesus taught us to do. Amen. What he's telling us to do, those little changes he tells us would make big differences in our life. And this week I looked up the number 17 on the internet and kind of get a, a picture of what the number 17 uh, means for us. It's meaning. It's connection to you. The following are symbolic, sim, symbolic and a spiritual meaning of the number 17. The number 17 is responsible for insight. How many would like to have more insight in your life? Amen. Where that God paints a picture for you that you can have insight of what he wants. Of responsibility. How many would like to be more responsible? Amen. How many feels like you waste time? Oh, I'm the only one. Uh, man, everybody, nobody here wastes time. You guys are just awesome. This is amazing. A group of people. Just no no wasteful. Self-discipline. How many's good at disciplining yourself? Self-discipline. Maybe maybe at the beginning of the year you started a, 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 a what? Exercising. Have you stuck with it? Maybe you started a new diet. Have you stuck with that? Or, or maybe all these things that happened at the beginning of the year. So we can have self-discipline. That's something we need. Uh, strength. It has the meaning of compassion. Look at your neighbor and say, how compassionate are you? Is there any compassionate people in the room? Hopefully so. As Christians, we're supposed to be compassionate, to have compassion on others, on our neighbors, on our community. Spiritual consciousness. How aware are you of the spirituality in which you live? It also has a meaning of wisdom, a desire for peace, and a love for all humanity. That's what the number 17 represents. So we should have those characteristics in this year. And, and if God is going to allow us to have some little changes to make big differences, we need to follow through with some of these things that was listed there and see that we need those things in our life. So we're taking our message series from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, is what we're going to look at for our scripture text. Leslie, you got that in there again? No? So we're going to go to John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles. And we're looking at verses 8, 28 through 36. John chapter 8, verse 28 through 36. Let's stand as we read in reverence to God's word. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that pleases him. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look to your neighbor and say, know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. 
And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it accomplishes in our life. God, we just ask that we would be able to apply the things that you expect from us today. Lord, teach us through your word. Give us insight to be able to see and understand. Lord, make us responsible. God, I pray for self-control over every individual in this place today. Lord, that they would live a life that they wouldn't regret at the end, the things that they should have done. Father, I thank you for all the things that you're going to do and freedom for us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. You can be seated. In thinking about freedom, a lot of times free people think about freedom. They think that freedom is something where that there is there is no obligation, that there's uh, uh, no uh, rules, that there's no regulations. It's just all freedom, that uh, we can do whatever we want. And some people use their freedom as a cloak to clothe themselves of their sin. And Paul the Apostle speaks about that, and he, he talks about it in Galatians. And in this past uh, day or two, I've been looking in the book of Galatians and just listening to what Paul was telling the church there at Galatians. It was actually churches. It was a region over there in Galatia that Paul was speaking to several churches. And he was telling them that uh, they, had, they had come into this bondage, that they had left the gospel that Jesus had first preached to them. And as, as Paul was speaking to those churches, he was telling them, don't get ensnared or entangled by the things that you formerly were bound by. And he told them that the, that the, the law was bondage, that the Old Testament law was bondage, that if they, if they wanted to live in the Jewish faith, that that Jewish faith would bind them and they wouldn't have the freedom that they desired because Jesus came to set us free. And if we want freedom, we can't ensnare ourselves or entangle ourselves into the law of bondage. So we sure we can have the Old Testament, and we've got the Old Testament to study by and, and look back as, a, as a, a, a precursor to what Jesus was coming to set us free from. The law taught us what was sin and what was not sin. But we can't use the Old Testament and say, today I'm going to be a prophet in the manner of, of the Old Testament prophets, or I'm going to be a king in the manner of the Old Testament testament kings or i'm going to be a judge in the manner of the old testament judges it's a new day it's a new era it's a new season and this dispensation of grace that we're living in where that jesus come to set us free is a grace that comes over our life that does give us freedom amen how many set how many feel like you've set free from the bondage of sin whenever jesus comes in he cleanses our heart and releases us from all the unrighteousness that we've been living and it's a freedom that comes with that but it's not a freedom to do anything we want to do. Amen. <laughs> there's, there's still some rules. There's still some, some regulations. And I wrote this down. Freedom from religion doesn't equal freedom from godly rules. You see, we say we want a freedom of religion in our country. In, in America, we, we enjoy the freedom of religion to worship God in whatever manner we wish and, and do whatever we want. But in short, there is a freedom in Christ. But there's not a freedom to do and worship ever how we want if we're going to live a godly life according to the Bible. Amen? There's still rules, there's still regulations in the New Testament that Jesus spells out for us. And really, he says the Ten Commandments can be sold up into two. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, and then love your neighbor as yourself. 
If you'll do those two things, and that's why we have the, the mission of, of this church, of Bethesda, on our walls, to love God and love people. If you want to simply do what the Bible teaches you to do in the New Testament, if you do those two things, you'll accomplish what the New Testament tells you. We don't have to have ten commandments in our yard. We need two. Amen? You need to love God, and you need to love people. And sometimes we get those, and it, it seems like we can't understand really, well, what's it mean to love people? It means to do to others as you would have them to do unto you. It's a golden rule, right? If we would help others out the way we want to be helped when we need help, then our time, whatever we sow, will come back. So it's this freedom that I'm talking about. It's not a freedom from godly rules. We don't need a freedom from God. We need a freedom to go towards God. Amen? Where that God speaks to our life. And this freedom that I want to speak to us about today is in Galatians chapter 5. So if we, you'll flip your Bibles over to Galatians, we'll look at a few scriptures here speaking about freedom. Paul is writing back to this Galatian church, and like I said, he's, he's telling them, you know, that they're, they're, they're uh, getting back into a mindset of saying that uh, they're ensnaring their self back to an old way of thinking. So after they have been born again, after they've received salvation from Jesus, they've listened to the gospel, they've accepted it, they've been baptized, they, they've trusted God. But then Paul says, I love it, he, he said, I think it's chapter 3, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Who has come in and told you a different gospel? There is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus. And as he's telling them that, he's explaining to them, don't worry about what other people are trying to pl place these rules and regulations on you. Listen only to what God's word teaches you and what his spirit will teach you and remind you. Jesus said when he went away that I'm going to send my comforter to you and he will remind you of all things that I've said. The spirit will not lie to us. So if, if men try to put these bondages on us and say, well, this is what Scripture's teaching or that's what Scripture's teaching, no, just look at what this really is written on the pages of the Bible. Man-made religion will never work to set us free. I love the freedom of God to trust Him and know that He's in, he's in my camp. He's, he's wanting the best for me. He's got a purpose for my life. So Galatians chapter 5, let's look at that, about Christian liberty. The whole chapter is talking about this. I want to start at verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. The word liberty means freedom in its purest form. Only do not use your freedom or liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So as we got this stuff and we went down and received this different stuff that they give us at the Convoy of Hope thing, and they give us a little bag and had all these, they give me books. I mean, I've got six books now for free I, I love reading and, and, and love looking at different things and there's uh, it's name of one book was Hog Wild I was thinking yeah that's a good book it's, it's, it's talking from a guy from going from the pig pen to the pulpit it's a little book but they give us all these books down there at, at the thing we went to where they give it all this stuff next one is the grasshopper myth big churches, small churches and the small thinking that divides us and I'm sure that just by the title of that, that's going back to say, like Joshua, whenever Moses sent the spies into the land of Israel and sent them in to, to speak and look and, and look at the things, they come back and they said, we are but us grasshoppers. Sometimes our small mentality of what God can accomplish in our life 
restricts us from ever doing the thing he's called us to do. And Christians are guilty of this all the time. Sometimes we think, well, we're just a small church and we've only got, you know, 40 people or so here and 40 people or so up at Kentucky Heights and, and there's just a, we're just small in number and we're just a little church out in the community that we get to go to. And, but this church does big things. Amen. The missionaries that we send money to on a monthly basis, last year, what was it? It was $15,000 we sent out in missions funds out of a church of 80 people. That's amazing. To, that there, there's, I don't know of any church that does that. I don't know of any church that's able to accomplish some things that we've been able to accomplish in our community and, and showing the love of Jesus to our community. And what they taught us at the conference was they said you want to be that church. That church. And they had a church that somewhere out west that the people named their church that church. Wherever you go downtown and people say, well, well what church is it that, that always does stuff for you and, and comes down and helps you out and cares about you and has compassion for you? Well, it's that church. They don't even know the name of it. <laughs> it's just that church. It was a church that had a different name before, but they everybody started knowing them as that church. Well, what church brings you uh, Girl Scout cookies every year here in Vanceburg? What what church is it? You go downtown and ask them, they say, well, that, that, that church out there. The church Leslie goes to, Leslie carries them down there too, but every year, every government official in our county government gets a box of Little Debbies from Bethesda. Isn't that amazing? We're that church. No other church does it. We do all kinds of things in our community that no other church does. And we're not doing it just to be different. We're doing it to be the compassion that Jesus tells us to have. We've got a freedom to do these things, and, and we want to be that church. I'm glad I'm part of that church, ain't you? That you've got a, a church that you can be proud of, that, that loves God and loves people. It's as simple as that. We don't have to come in here, and I, I love it that some people come and they'll say, well, I'm glad to go to that church because whenever I come, I don't feel like I have to be anybody other than myself. I don't want you to ever come in here and feel like you've got to meet up to somebody else's standards. Amen? Only live according to the Bible, live according to what Jesus teaches, and your life is going to be just fine. You're going to have freedom to do that at Bethesda. I want to be that church where that you can come, and no matter what kind of clothes you come in, amen? There's some churches that you go to that you got to wear a certain type of clothing. I see them down at McDonald's after service time. Sometimes you'll go down there, and everybody in there has got the same collar clothes on. They must send out a memo in their bulletin the week before and say, everybody will wear teal next week. I don't, I don't know. Everybody have one purple next week. It's the purple week. I, I'm glad we don't have to do that. You can just be yourself here. I want you to have the freedom to do that. As a pastor, that's the kind of church that I want us to be. And as Paul is telling them these things, that don't use your freedom as a cloak to do the things for the flesh, but through love serve one another. How often do you th do things that's unselfish, that's, that has nothing to do with you, that you're not going to get anything in return, but it's just to bless somebody else? Our lives as Christians should be just that. That we've got a freedom just to help other people. Amen? That's the kind of life I want to live. A selfless life. That I can do things to help other people and have compassion towards other people. So as Paul is saying these things, verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You know what that's talking about? Backbiting. <laughs> of spreading false rumors. Of doing things that's in opposition to the things of God. Verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust of, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Anybody ever wish to do something and do the exact opposite? Everybody have a goal? Be like, I, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to get that done this week. I'm going to try to accomplish this. And the next thing you know, you turn around, and, and you've accomplished absolutely nothing. Or the exact opposite and cause more work in the end. It's the same way in our spiritual life. A lot of times we'll sit out and say, you know, I haven't been reading my Bible as much as I want to and I'm, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Anybody ever try that? I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to set a goal this week. I'm going I'm to read my Bible every morning. The first thing I wake up, I'm going to read my Bible. Then you get up and you wake up and you're like snoring. You're and then the alarm goes off and you look over and you, you look at your alarm now it's on your phone. It ain't an alarm clock anymore. So you, you grab your phone to turn it off. And when you turn it off, you kind of wake up and you look. And, and the first thing you see is on the home screen it says, so-and-so mentioned you in a comment on Facebook. So then you click that. Amen. And you click that, and you're sitting there, and your eyes all muddied over, and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll just see this for a little bit. And next thing you know, you've laid there 15 minutes looking at Facebook. Somebody shared a picture of you on Instagram. Look at that. Next thing you know, you've waited too long, and you can't read your Bible because you've got to get in the shower because you've got to go to work. Amen. Then you work all day and do all the things you're supposed to do on your job and you get there and get all that done and you get home and tonight and you're just like tired and you're like, man, this has been forever and, and I just I just like to rest. I like some free time. And you sit down and you watch TV. Maybe you watch this show or that show. Nothing wrong with TV. I'm not saying that. But then the next thing you know, you're tired. It's come about 1030 at night and you go in and you say, man, I'm going to go to bed. And you go in, you lay down in bed. And you think, well, I should read my Bible. And you start reading it, and you can't get through two verses before you start snoring. Amen? The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And am I telling you, standing up here saying that I'm some kind of all-star about reading my Bible? Absolutely not. I'm not. In reality, I struggle just like what you do. And the story I just told you was a story of my life some days. And I'm a pastor. Can I be real? I don't, I'm, I'm not bragging about that. I'm ashamed of that, but it's reality. And I know if I struggle that way, for sure, everybody else does because it's a human thing. It's humanity. It's who we are. But I know this. Whenever I start digging in God's word and I start reading and I, and I set that extra time and I actually do it, it brings fulfillment to my life. I'm t and it don't have to be a lot of scriptures. You, you can just make a go of, of saying I'm going to read one chapter. It, it can just be ten verses. It can be anything. But I'm telling you, it can fulfill your life because God will have you in the right place to read the right thing for what you're going to do that day. It's amazing to me. Sometimes as I go through life and, and, and pastor in a church that I always, in, in November the, of the prior of the year, like November of this year, I will have all my sermons outlined for 2018. 
I'll get the titles for every sermon I'm going to do in 2018 in November of this year. I'll have them all wrote down. And it amazes me how that week after week after week, exactly what I talk about that I wrote about in November, I had no idea of what was going to come. I can't predict the future, but God can. And it amazes me how the, the words that he gives me to speak a year earlier comes to pass just like they should. That's how God works. He knows our future better than we do. Amen? He can, he, he can do better than we can. So, as Paul is saying this, walk not in the flesh, because the flesh wars against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Thank God I don't have to live the Old Testament. Amen? I think there's 613 laws in the Old Testament. One of them is you can't trim your uh, sideburns. I, I got sideburns. Some, some people don't have sideburns. Mark shaves his head, so he would be against the law. He'd be breaking the law. And he's a cop. How do you, how do you break the law when you're a cop? But he, he, he don't have a sideburn, so he'd be breaking the Old Testament law. There's, there's all kinds of Old Testament, just some crazy stuff in there. It's just like, man, that makes no sense. But it's the law that God gave Moses, and they had to live by it. But Moses, uh, But Paul is saying here that you don't live, and you're not cursed under the law. I thank God that I'm in a New Testament era, that I'm living in the freedom of Jesus. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. These are works of the flesh, so it means it's something you're doing, actions, work. You can't work without doing something. Well, some people work without doing anything. <laughs> Anybody ever work around somebody like that, one of your fellow employees, it seems like they got something to do, but they never do it. And they say, man, I've worked all day. Look over, I don't know if you did or not. I don't see anything done. I, I love it in one of our books at, at school that I teach that talks about work. It actually means progressing or, or doing something. We look at your neighbor and say, you need to work. <laughs> you ain't near as tired as you say you are. You don't accomplish everything. There's some days I go to work and just going to do everything and absolutely walk out to the end, same as the beginning. These are works of the flesh. They're evident. That means they're they're absolute. They're absolutely there. They're they're evident in people's lives. If you if you work and live according to yourself and doing only what you want to do, these are things that's going to show up in your life: adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lawlessness. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outburst of wrath. Heaven forbid that would be a work of my life. Amen. Does anybody else have, have that, uh, an anger issue or an anger problem? Oh, you bunch of little humble people. Donnie's trying to, he's trying to raise Mary's arm up for her. <laughs> he's like, you better start telling the truth. Outburst of wrath. It's like, what is that? Oh, that's me. I get bullheaded sometimes. You don't believe me? Ask Leslie. You know what that's like. Whenever you know that that's happening in your life and you know that you've been a jerk. Or Leslie makes me say it after I've been a jerk. She'll say, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. For what? For being a jerk. That's what I have to say. And she won't let me say I'm sorry without saying I've been a jerk because that tells her that I'm really sorry because I don't like saying I'm a jerk. Anybody else like saying, did you get any joy? I'm like, man, I was a real jerk today. That was awesome. It's the best day of my life because of my outburst of wrath. Selfish ambitions. Ooh, 
we nobody in this room ever just does stuff for their self and uh, having selfish ambitions. That's surely not the case. Dissensions, hmm. heresies, no, nah, not not possible in here. Envy, nobody in this room has ever looked at somebody else's stuff and be like, man, I wish I could have that. That's never happened. Murders, never know who's going to show up. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I've told you in times past. So Paul, this is the first time Paul's listing these things out for these people. So I've told you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How many wants to go to heaven? Amen. Hopefully everybody in this room wants to go to heaven. You've got a desire and a, and a will made up that you, you want to make heaven your home. If you don't, you should. But verse 22, I love this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Fruit of the Spirit. I love this. Love is the first one listed. Paul also says in Corinthians, the, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, but now by the faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And he's telling us that, that the thing that should appear in our life the most as a Christian, this first thing he listed is love. If somebody, if somebody was saying who you are, so if somebody was saying, man, when I go through Walmart, it just seems like you say, oh, he loves me. Is it, would that be the first thing they would say? Or they'd say, I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what would people explain you to be? Because your actions is what they're going to describe you by. Amen? And I often think about this because I'm a jerk. Leslie makes me say it all the time. I know I'm a jerk. So whenever I'm at work, I'm, I'm sitting around and I, I think see people coming through and some people I just don't like. Well, glory to God, the pastor just told you he don't like people. We got it wrote on our wall, love God and love people, and I just said I don't like some people. Surely there's somebody in your life you don't like. Can I get a good amen? I, I don't like that person. And when they come through the door at work, I'm sure they don't say, well, man, he's just a loving character. He just comes up and hugs me. And, How you doing, brother? Oh, it's just great. You know, life's good. What I do, I look at him and think, man, I ain't got time for you. <laughs> what does Paul want us to do? The fruit of our life is what we do, not what we say. And I can have love God and love people wrote on every wall I want. But if I don't exemplify that, that's not what, who I am. So Paul's telling us to love people. Amen? Let them know and describe you as being a person that loves people. Joy. How many would like to have some of that? Joy. That's not happiness. Joy is something deep and abiding that, that never goes away. Peace. How many would like some of that? Amen. We say peace. We want this We want this. Uh, 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 intermission we want this free time and just like at a at a school ball game you go to and this is what's called at a ball game you get a a uh, a halftime right there's always a halftime at, at, at a ball game and, and during those half times you, it's an intermission it's like a, a free time that you get to do whatever you want and this sermon series is about intermission so guess what we're in a free time So I'm going to give you one minute, and I want you to go talk to somebody you don't know, 
that you don't know well. It don't have to be somebody that you totally don't even know their name. Somebody you don't know real well. I want you to take a free minute. And we, we normally during sermons you don't get free time. Usually you sit through the sermon and it don't have a free time. It don't have a halftime. So this is a halftime show. Okay? So so just halftime. I want you to go talk to your neighbor and find out how much they love other people in their life or find out if they don't like somebody. So go to them right now. Free time. Everybody go. Move. There needs to be some movement. You got a free moment here for you just keep going. Just go. Amen. Free time during a sermon. I love it. That's awesome. Awesome free time. A halftime show in a sermon. Brother Craig, have you ever been to a sermon where that you had a halftime show? There's <laughs> a first time for everything. Bethesda's different. Bethesda's different. We're, we love being different, so that's who we are. I'm going to read these other two or three verses, and then we're going to close. Verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does crucify mean? If you crucify something, what happened when they crucified Christ? He died. So Paul is saying here, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. They have crucified their own will. They're tired of being their self. You should be your own critic. Amen? You should criticize yourself. Don't depend on everybody else. And also, you should allow the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, to challenge you as well. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That if we say we're spiritual, if we say we're Christians, let us be Christians. Amen? Let's see if you'll come. Verse 26, let us not become conceited. There's nobody in here conceited, surely to goodness, in a, in a church. There wouldn't be any conceited people, you know, ones, ones that just think more of their self than they should. 
nobody like that ever ever attended a church. I'm sure the, the roof would have fell in if that would have happened. <laughs> Provoking one another. We've never provoked each other. We've never, never gouged or kind of messed around with each other. Envying one another. Brother Danny Overton used to pastor the Church of God here in town. Brother Danny was had a lot of wisdom. He was a guy that I just I loved talking to him and speaking to him and seemed like he would always give me little wisdom nuggets when I talked to him. And he told me this one time when I, before I'd ever pastored or anything. I was down there one, once at, a, at his church and it was after service was over and we was at the back in the back up on that top. And I was just talking to him close to his office there and I was talking about some things going on in other churches. And He said, Ben, always remember this. People are never as good as they, as they want you to believe they are. People are never as good as they want you to believe they are. And he also said, at the same time, people are never as bad as their enemy wants you to believe they are. And that nugget of truth has stuck with me through all of my ministry. You know, there's some people that will come to church and people from the town will be like, Oh, did you know they did this? Or did you know they did this? Or they're this type of person. Or they're that type of person. And that, that quote always comes back to me. People are never as bad as their enemy wants you to believe they are. So when people tell me bad things about other people, and it's even at work, you know, sometimes they'll come in and say, well, this is going on out there in the field, and they're doing this or they're doing that, and they, they tell me how bad somebody else is. I always remember this. People are never as bad as their enemy wants you to believe they are. And at the same time, if people come up bragging to me all the time, well, I'm this, or I'm that, or I do this, or I do that, and they're always braggadocious. If that's, is that even a word? I don't know. Is there any English people? In I'm not educated. I don't know. Sound like a good word, braggadocious. They always brag on themselves. Then usually they're not the person they're trying to portray themselves to be. In reality, we are what our actions speaks of us. And if we want a freedom, if we want an intermission, if we want some freedom in Christ, just be who you are. But be the best version of you you can be. And the best way to do that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Won't you stand if you will? Praying for intermission. Praying for some freedom. Everybody here will just bow your head and close your eyes. No looking around. Don't worry about your neighbor right now. Don't worry about what's going on in their life. This is a moment where that I pray that the Holy Spirit will just deal with us on an individual basis. ask you this very simple question. Is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, I hear you talking about this freedom, but I, I really don't feel like I'm living that freedom that you're speaking of. I feel like I'm in bondage. It's a bondage of sin. It's not that other people tell me I'm a sinner, that I just, I just know in my heart that I'm doing things that's contrary to the Scripture, contrary to what God's Word tells me to live. Is there anybody here who will just say, that's me. I'm a sinner. And I need to be saved by grace. I want that freedom that you're speaking about, Pastor Ben. Anybody else? 
wants the freedom of Jesus, wants an intermission in your life where that you can just have the freedom of Jesus, more of him and less of you. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. If you would, everybody in this room, I would just like you to repeat this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, of my shortcomings, of my faults, of my failures. Help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. I want to make heaven my home. I want to live in eternity with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer, if you spoke those words and meant it from your heart, that Jesus' freedom is coming to you. You're going to walk out of this place different than you came in. That you're going to walk out with a freedom that you know that God is with you. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen.